0: Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Time of recording is now the 28th of September um, and the baby update, the wee man, he should be due in really less than three weeks. However, um, he, what, what what's called dropped over the weekend, which for those of you who don't know anything about uh, sort of pregnancy, and, and I didn't, you know, um, a year, year ago, <laughs> a few years ago, and um, means that as they're ready the, the the baby effectively drops closer into mom's pelvis um, which sort of signifies that they are preparing for birth so yeah really at the time of recording um, I guess it could be any day now uh, it also could still be um, another sort of three four weeks because there's like a fi- for those of you know there's like a five-week window which I, I didn't even know this a five-week window which um, you know mother's classed as term uh, that the baby can come so yeah it's a little waiting game I will tell you I cannot wait I'm so, so excited. With each day that passes, you know, it's a day that kind of gets a bit closer. So the level of excitement builds. <laughs> I suppose at the same time, slightly level of anxiety builds. But yeah, nah, I know everything will be fine. And you know, I just can't wait to be. Um, you know, I guess the goal now is to be the, the most jacked dad in the playground, isn't it? Like, <laughs> were you ever like, some of you're listening right? Were you ever one of those kids that's like, and um, this is probably guys that only had this conversation, being like, here my dad could totally batter your daddy. You'd have like an argument about it. Like, I remember that as a child and I'm sure there'll be people listening and be like laughing, being like, yep, yeah, I remember that. Um, I want to be that fucking big dad, you know? And, <laughs> um, nah, in all seriousness though, um, I am looking forward to the challenge of continuing the, the sort of bodybuilding pursuits um, around the wee man's lifestyle. Um, Inevitably, I'll probably drop. I think to, I think maybe four days training in the long run, especially when he's kind of old enough to go to the park and and whatnot, um, and just try and utilise that sort of time because it's time that you never get back. You know, bodybuilding will always be there. Um, I can always you know try and get jacked um, at other times later on life. But no, I'm still going to try and get bigger. Of course, those of you that have listened to this podcast or avid listeners know that the the goal is to, to come back one day and do class one um, bodybuilding and for that I need to be a little bit bigger so yeah that is that's the baby update uh, update from the brand itself you know we had um, uh, a male athlete there competed at the FitX British finals Chris those of you that follow Instagram know that Chris has competed so many times this year you yeah, he actually Kate got third third in Britain, um, which was which was effectively his goal. His goal was actually um, top five. And I said to him, no, no, I think that you that you can make top three. And uh, he did. Um, so congrats to Chris if you're listening. He's definitely not listening, but just in case he is, I'll give him a little bit of a shout out. Um, so yeah, we actually aren't done with the competitive season yet, are we? We've still got quite a few shows. Um, I have another three Three competitors, two males, um, and then Clara. I, for those of you who don't know, I actually do Clara's coaching. And then Ali has, um, I think Ali's got three bikini girls left to compete this year. And um, so still, still quite a bit of um, competitors to go. And we are all super excited to see what they can do. The you know the prospect of of all those athletes that have got to go um, is is incredible. They all they all look fantastic. Um, they're really, really well suited to the class that they're doing. And um, yeah, just can't wait to, to be part of that process and I always enjoy that process of helping someone compete a bit more as than I do my own, like myself um, You know, compete for me, it ticks a box t- Ticks a box, sorry it's, it's, I love the competitiveness of sport But um, it doesn't pick me up or down if I, I don't feel like I, I do well um, It's just a case of, yeah, uh, I was just beat by someone better um, Is what it is I always find that, you know, do you ever find that when Some people will be like that, oh, you know they come off stage and they're like, "Oh, the judges got it wrong, bro," or um, you know, they come back to the crowd and then they sit beside their mum, and the mum says, "Oh, you should have won." Well, unfortunately, um, you know, your mum's not a judge, um, and the judges didn't get it wrong. I think that you, need, you just need to accept the the placing that you get, um, whether that is justified or not. I think that if you are in the bodybuilding scene, you just have to understand that like bodybuilding politics is a thing, and it's a thing. In every single federation, I don't care if you tell me, oh, the judging sphere here, the judging sphere there, it is a thing in certain federations. I've seen examples of it this year, seen examples of it like in, in years gone past. Um, it's not something I will, you know, complain about, talk about. It's just a case of something like, oh, okay, it just is what it is. And if you want to make a big, you know, huff and a fuss about it, um, you, you effectively just get blacklisted. And by some federations you can't ever compete with them again. So sometimes if things don't go your way, just you know, as I said to you before, bodybuilding will kick you in the dick. Um more often than not at the times you least expect and you just have to just have to get on with it. Um it's as simple as that. I'm sure when I compete again I'll come back and there'll be times where I won't um maybe perhaps you know, I'll think, oh like there was times I said this to, to Thomas, I said, yeah, I was training with Thomas not long ago or we were um we were at a show and I was like Tom, man, like there was times backstage where I was like I look fucking good, I look sick. And then the other guys took their tops off and I was like, oh well, <laughs> oh well, there's always there's <laughs> there's always, a, there's always another show. Um, and that just is what it is. You just have to be like, you don't know who's gonna be there on the day. Uh, and sometimes backstage, you can already tell, like, I just could tell that the guys I was going up against, for example, in Two Bros, like, they were just bigger than me up top. It didn't matter that I was bigger and lower body. I, Proportionally wasn't as good as them. Um, and you just kind of realize that before you go on stage. Sometimes it's easier to relax. I think if you kind of know that, because then you've got no sort of pressure expectation. But hey, anyway, I'm kind of getting a little bit off topic here. I'm not on on the um, the topic of today's podcast, which I'm going to discuss uh, oral steroids. I'm not going to go into um, you know this is what I think you should take. This is how much I think you should take. What I'm just going to do is give you a little bit of. Kind of um, information about the different types of oral steroids out there, what their sort of molecular differences compared to like injectables, and then just stuff that you maybe commonly see in a, in a bodybuilder's um, quote unquote cycle. You know, or bodybuilders what, what they'll use, and perhaps maybe some examples of of why they will use that. Um, because uh, you know, this podcast itself, it's it's not designed to give you like in depth information about these things. It's it's designed to give you. The basics, the fundamentals, um, you know, I was actually training with, with Liam today. legs. It was a great session if you're listening, Liam. And uh, hopefully you, you know, the, the drive home was was okay. Um, and he mentioned that the T3 and T4 podcast kind of went over his head a bit. And I was like, damn, that's that's on me. I should have tried to explain that a little bit better and broke that down. So I'm going to try my hardest again to try and simplify complex sort of scientific, scientific spiel into layman's terms. So if you are, you know, into your physiology, I will apologize right now for um, making this seem so simple because it's not simple. But you know, the people listening to this podcast, and people that are listening out there, I'm sure that you just, you just want to know a little bit about it. What's about? You know, what's out there? Because like many people that come on board, they want to jump on in a box. They just say, "Me, I don't really know anything." I say, "Right, cool. Well, we'll get into that." So there's some of you listening that probably been thinking, you know. And this was me. It was like oh, I'm thinking about going down the, the assisted route, um, but I don't want to inject. I'll never inject. No, I, I can't do that. I'm too scared of injecting. Um, but I'm happy to take order. Now I remember saying this because I just like never thought I could inject myself. I was worried about it, but I thought, ah, popping a pill, that's kind of that's easy. Anyone can do that. And if it gets me jacked and it, I think it's stronger than fair play. And you know, without much research back in the day, I just cracked on. That was my first initial cycle. It was literally like, I'm sure it was like, was it D-ball or was it Anavar? I can't remember, it was one of them. It was just a case of like, you know, I was a bouncer and one of my mates got it for me and just cracked on and, and you'll never guess what happened. Not a whole fucking lot, why? Because at the time, um, I wasn't tracking my calories uh, my, or my training, I wasn't logging my lifts. Um, and I was just more really focused on just adding overall weight, and then that's kind of all that I, I was bothered about. Is um, at, th- at this point you might be thinking, ah, that's the same as me, or you know, the person that's thinking about this is exactly the same as you are. And um, what I'd say to them is zero point, zero zero point in doing an oral cycle only, um, and we'll get into that in in a second. So I guess before. Before I get into it, what I would encourage you to do is you probably want to have some underlying knowledge and kind of find out the principles of how anabolic androgenic steroids work in the body. And and for that, I'm just going to ask that you go on the website, vetophysique.com. There's an article called Introduction to AAS Testosterone. Read that one. And there's another one called Introduction to DHT Derivatives. And nandrolone, and they're really well linked. And I'm going to be doing another article, and um, that will kind of cover what I speak about in today's podcast. And to understand the article, I'll I say go understand those underlying concepts because some of the terminology I'll speak about, um, you you know you maybe hear the word androgen receptor and go, what the fuck does that mean, right? Whereas if you've read those articles, you don't know what that means. And um, so maybe perhaps who's listening to this podcast just oh pop that and pause. And then, oh, hey, welcome back. Have haven't read those, um, we can kind of, to get cracking. Now, uh, anabolic steroids, why, why were they created? What people don't realise is that, like, these sort of drugs were often created to help treat some sort of clinical medical conditions, such as cancers, muscle wasting, people in sort of the third, fourth stage of HIV, um, is one, you know, or perhaps they wanted to minimize side effects and maybe perhaps uh, utilize them in in women who were experiencing muscle loss and the same sort of thing. Um, So these are the reasons why people say, well, why were stars even developed? And this is one of the the sort of main reasons, but um, not necessarily everyone wants to get an injection. Um, Some people will clearly put up with it, but having to perhaps have a certain injection every single day is not necessarily feasible. Um, So, you know, Oral steroids are created because if someone could take it on their own, then perhaps they wouldn't need to come into the hospital all the time to get an injection. But one of the main reasons like with orals being developed is, I guess, without some sort of chemical alteration of the three natural steroid hormones, which for those of you don't know is testosterone, nandrolone, and DHT or di- dihydrotesosterone. Um, if you were to consume these orally, they would be broken down by the liver before reaching your circulation. Like liver detoxification, effectively, is what we call that. Um, they naturally have short half lives, which are half-life is just pretty much like half the time it would take that compound to be completely cleared from the system. Meaning that scientists kind of had to work out. They need to develop a way that avoided breakdown by the liver, um, and it also extended steroids' half-life in the body till it was then excreted. And by excretion, I mean just, you know, completely passed out of the body. So I will go into a little bit of science a bit here that might go over your head, but um, I think it's really important to know the difference. And if you were to, to think about a, a steroid in general, right? A steroid is, is typically composed of 17 carbon atoms. These are usually arranged in like a hexagonal sort of shape um, and are bonded to about, say, 28 hydrogen atoms, give or take. Now, I understand that that has went over a lot of your heads, but literally what you can do is you can literally have this podcast playing and just Google the words steroid structure. And you'd understand exactly what I mean in regards to the, the structure itself. Now, there's obviously a lot of derivatives of um, steroids themselves. So, I've given you, uh, what I've just talked about. There is the the basic principle, right? Of or the basic sort of molecular structure, which some of them have other things attached to them. And this is kind of where we will we will kind of delve into. So. Now that you have the basic knowledge, um, what you can understand is that you could literally these, these sort of carbon, or the 17 of them, you could, you could name them 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, blah, blah, blah. So what some chemists realise is if they replace the hydrogen atoms on the, the 17th position with a carbon atom, then its new molecular structure um, would mean that it's noticeably resistant to breakdown by the liver. I'm hoping that you are still with me. I understand that some of that last 30 seconds may have just went whew, over your head, um, but this will be the last science of it. That actual carbon atom itself that's added um, is typically in the form of what we call a, a methyl group, which is effectively just three hydrogen atoms bonded to a, a carbon atom. And, and steroids, oral steroids with this alteration, are often referred to as C17- alpha alkylated orals. You can obviously understand the, the C17 where that comes from. It's on the 17th position or 17th carbon of the actual steroid rings themselves. Um, and obviously we've just kind of went through what the process of, of alkylation is. So I understand if that last minute's maybe made you hit pause and scratch your head, um, but please do bear with me. That'll be the, the most sciencey I'll, I'll kind of go in this one. So these types of Oral steroids tend to have a much lower affinity at binding to the androgen receptor than their um, sort of injectable counterparts. However, because the steroids' half-life is now greatly prolonged due to what I just said about this addition of the the carbon with hydrogens, uh, we we see in I think we see increased sort of anabolic slash androgenic tendencies. So, in Layman's terms, that although that they might be weaker. Because their half-life is extended, uh, we will still see some more kind of muscle growth or androgenic side effects. Um, You know, and that being said, most oral steroids kind of elicit their effects by androgen receptor mediated pathways. If you're wondering what an androgen receptor is, effectively what a steroid will bind to. But what I just meant by that is that if, if you know, I'm not saying it with with any sort of viral, it doesn't matter if they're kind of alkylated or non-alkylated um, a lot of them will act via these not by binding to the androgen receptor but binding to the, you know, having their effect or listening to their effects by androgen receptor mediated pathways, meaning that they don't really act as competition um, or, you know, a competitive inhibitor to maybe perhaps someone that's using injectable. Um, so let's say maybe perhaps a, a bodybuilder is using, you know, injectable testosterone um, at the same time they're using something like Anavar. They, they won't compete at the androgen receptor because that's not where Anavar is listening. its its effects. Um, so this is why bodybuilders can kind of use both. Now, unfortunately, um, although scientists had kind of found a way to prolong, you know, an oral an oral steroid's half-life um, and its potency. That the one sort of drawback they found was its impact that it had on the liver. You know, although they designed molecules, um, which meant that the liver couldn't metabolize them, so it was able to kind of reach the circulation. Um, the same action actually makes them very toxic to the liver, meaning that the continual usage of you know C seventeen alpha alkylated um can can cause chemically driven liver damage. So it's why you'll see a lot of bodybuilders only run some some oral steroids for likes of four to six weeks. Um, and I suppose on top of that, um, the, the other negative sort of implication can be its impact on your HDLs, which is your good cholesterol. And it can also, so it can effectively decrease them and an increase in LDLs, which you know, low-density low, low lipoproteins are what we class as the bad cholesterol. And I guess it, it maybe doesn't stop, it stops there. Because some orals can carry uh, a greater chance to have estrogenic side effects. Now, if you're unsure what that is, you know something like gynecomastia. Um, and why why do they carry such a greater chance? And this is because that, although they have this sort of lesser tendency to bind with what we call an aromatase enzyme, um, which is, the, that's the enzyme responsible for the conversion of say, Androgens or testosterone to estrogens, um, although that they're, they have a le- lesser tendency to bind with, with these guys, and when they do, they they produce an estrogen that's far more potent and biolo- biologically active form of estrogen than their sort of injectable c- counterparts. One example of that would be sort of methyl testosterone, which is a f- effectively you could look at as just like the oral equivalent of testosterone, but because of this sort of like alkylation change that I've just said, it sort of changes the activity of the steroid quite considerably, as I just said, the more potent sort of estrogenic sides. Don't be wrong, like if you take injectable testosterone, you're going to get estrogenic sides as well, um, but really if you, if you are just going all guns blazing and chucking that in without any research or knowing that... Um, and not wanting those uh, side effects, then, then that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, And I suppose before I get onto it, you know, in some cases, that sort of uh, alkylation process that I said, it can actually enhance the the stairs ability to bind um, and activate the estrogen or progesterone receptor uh, on its own. And one really good example of this um, is the oral form of equipoise. Otherwise known as superdrawl. You know, in, in injectable form, equipoise is noting not, noted for producing I'm not gonna say like zero oestrogenic sides, but I'm gonna say quite little oestrogenic sides because of how slowly it aromatizes. However, the oral counterpart in this in this example superdrawl, um has seems to have the complete opposite effect. So this is why if a bodybuilder was using something like SuperDraw, it's probably that they're using an aromatized inhibitor alongside that to just kinda help control control the estrogen. So you may be now thinking, right, Von Will, um that's that's fucking pretty shit that the liver's pretty toxic and what uh you know, is there anything else that's out there? And there is, you know, um I think that if I was to give you sort of one examples, one example would be, um, steroids such as like Proviron or, you know, oral primobolin, like non-alkylated orals. Um, And instead of having this sort of change or chemical variation at this sort of 17th carbon, they actually have a change at position one, um, where this sort of methyl group is added. And that's, remember, um, the methyl group was the the three hydrogens bonded to one carbon atom. Again, just Google that, you'll you'll be able to pick that up and be able to visually see that. Um, What this sort of change actually means is that instead of sort of... um, bypassing this sort of, they've you know, been designed to bypass the liver, they're actually designed in such a way that they're absorbed in your intestinal lining through what we call lymphatics ducts. And that's how they effectively, you could say that's how they bypass the liver, but they're not designed in a way that has any impact on the liver in itself. It, in, in layman's terms, it just means that they're they're not toxic to the liver um, versus their C17 alkylated counterparts, you could say. So, I realise I'm going a bit off, off, off topic here. Um, you're probably wondering, well Vaughan, why are these used in bodybuilding? If they, you know, if they were used sort of for, if they had medical, medical usages, why on earth would they still be used in bodybuilding if we know that they impact things like the liver and whatnot? So I guess let's just go through, I don't know what, three examples or something like that. And we'll go through some of the most commonly used ones that you'll see in a, in a bodybuilding cycle. Let's just start off with um, something like Anivar. And this can usually be seen in a dieting phase. Particularly towards the back end of a, of a contest prep, a contest prep as in someone preparing for a competition, um, or extremely lean in the room a photo shoot. The main reason that someone would use Anivar in that scenario is usually to aid their performance. You know, when we reach low levels of body fat combined with calories being low, our strength can can stall or decrease, you know, as bodybuilders want our strength to continue to rise, to continue to go up and there'll come a point in prep where it doesn't um, and you can introduce anivar um, which has been shown and from my experience certainly helps increase um, strength um, when you're dieting. It's mainly because like as you, you know, if you're a bodybuilder you get so strong in off season and um, with your higher calories that, you know, you can put towards recovery and you don't have the, the calories for that and um, so sometimes the drugs can kind of come in and, and kind of help you there. Um, so. It's a really well tolerated drug, um, apart from the hepo, you know, hepatotoxicity toxicity, is a fancy word for saying that the damage to the liver and its impact on you know our HDL good cholesterol. So usually you'll see that in for like four weeks at a time, in the last four weeks when you know a bodybuilder is preparing for their contest and uh, things are getting hard. Um, as a drug itself, it cannot aromatize; it can't be reduced. Um, it's kind of got. You say, strong anabolic properties versus its androgenic properties. It means it doesn't cause any sort of negative side effects in, in regards to uh, or any estrogenic side effects, etc. Um, and it's it's also probably the most commonly one used by by females as well, which is a very taboo subject, and it's probably probably something that we you could you could do a whole episode on. Um, but for for one of the reasons I, I've used Anavar pretty much for every single prep, I also feel um, it does help a little bit maybe ever so slightly with fullness. Um, a little bit of a harder look, I would say, if you've got anavar in there or not. However, the main one that's going to have more of a, a difference in regards to cosmetic effects would be like likes your um, You know, winstrel is very much like anavar in the sense that it's got stronger anabolic properties than it does androgenic, it can't aromatise, can't be reduced. Um, but what what I've often kind of seen in individuals that have low levels of body fat, um, when they use winstrel, they will tend to look that little bit drier, um, and, and effectively, as a bodybuilder, what you're trying to do is, is look hard, dry and full. Um, so that's of course advantageous, using that compound. I feel it gives you very little in regards to sort of strength or anything like that. Um, but having used it myself, I certainly do look much drier when you use Winstroll. Uh, I, just, I just found it just gave me loads of cramps, um, so I don't really like using it. Um, I actually didn't use it this year and I haven't so far used it when they're athletes because they all complain of the same thing. I'm like, well, fuck, we just leave out and just get, you know, I don't think you need to be ridiculously dry for amateur bodybuilding shows, but the the more you've got the levels, uh, of course you need to be. Then the last one that I mentioned, uh, Proviron, um, the one that's kind of non-alkylated oral, shall we say, um, you know, little impact on the liver. um, It doesn't really have strong anabolic properties. can't be reduced, can't rheumatize, you're thinking, well, what's the point in taking that if it doesn't have a strong anabolic property as well? Proviron's got this this really cool um, thing that it has a really high affinity to bind with something called sex hormone binding globulin, which is pretty much like a plasma binding protein. And why am I telling you this? Testosterone itself is mostly transported around the body in bound form. And in this bound form, it's kind of rendered inactive when it's bound, in, you know, in this case, bound to sex hormone binding globulin. So what you kind of get is you get providing comes along, it sort of jumps on to to SHBG we'll call it, right? Which means that the the steroid that you've injected or or whatever um, is now you know able to be transported in the body in its you know free or active state, meaning that it can act upon the androgen receptor. Bear in mind that if if a steroid is bound to like say. SHBG, uh, um, it cannot uh, elicit its effects on the androgen receptor, which of course is something that we don't want. You want to be getting as much of it as possible. That's why like when I'm cruising, I will run Provire Why? because I want to get the most out of the the least amount, but same with when I'm blasting as well. Uh, It's something I'll keep in year round, Uh, same with my clients as well. So uh, I think that that all just seemed like a massive blur. I just feel like I just went bleh and we're like 26 minutes in. But uh, it's maybe went a bit over your head. And um, as I said, hopefully, uh, as I said, it was hard for me to try and explain this in, in somewhat layman's terms. That's why I was always saying, you know, Google Google now, check this out on Google, blah, blah. But I tell you what I'll do. I'll put uh, an article on the website and um, I will try and pretty much do it word for word the same with this podcast. Um, so you're, you're able to, have a different form uh, or have the, the sort of information in a different form maybe you'll be more absorbable that way but as I said this is just a platform to provide a little bit of education if you want to know like more in-depth stuff about that and um, I would go to the guys that are they're that talking about the in-depth stuff and um, in the science part behind it. it's not something you'll see me talk about because the people I work with and the target audience they, they don't want to they do not know the, the science stuff but I try and give you a little bit so you can understand um, but not too much that you just, it just fuck off bores you. It maybe has bored you by now, you maybe not even listen, but uh, if you've lasted this far, I do thank you for it. Um, I think that's pretty much it, apart from what's going on with myself. Um, well, you know the baby's on the way. I'm still cruising kind of post-show. This is now going into, I think next week will be week number eight when the podcast was live. That'll be eight weeks. Um, I've donated, you know, I've, I've donated blood again, which pretty much is a therapeutic blood donation, um, done privately. Um, if you're a bodybuilder, do not bother the NHS um, in regards to trying to get your your blood work done. They simply have other things to worry about, especially everything going on in the world. But um, yeah, so I, I donated again uh, after the, my bloods. That I got back um, some of the markers from the red blood cells. Uh, count was a little bit off. Maccrit was up. Um, MCH, MCV, which effectively was just kind of how. The blood cells formed, how it looks, is it cylindrical or not, is it spherical or not, um, a little bit off. So, one of the ways to get rid of that is to well allow your spleen to, to put down new red blood cells, which could take three four months, or just donate blood and then it has to do it anyway. Um, and if you're in natural, um, if you're natty, which I was eighteen animal per litre, it will uh, it will look to to do that um, quite readily and and make kind of quote unquote normal red blood cells. So I'd done that. Uh, I've been running. Um, a supplement that is helping me get my um, cholesterol, my HDLs back within range because they were they were out a little bit, but I mean, you know what? They actually weren't out as much as I thought they would be. Um, I prepped last year and they were they were a lot, a lot fucking worse. So so much worse. So I reckon I should be back blasting again soon. However, it may tie in when I I'm ready to blast that. There's a there's a little human um, added to our household, so maybe not ideal timing, but at least I know that I've I'm, I'm in a position where I feel healthier. Um, Recovery is good. Um, I'm not crippled in between sets. I'm not getting out of breath walking up a hill. My ability is pretty poor, but it always is when I'm getting a little bit heavier, like getting it, fitting into a smith machine and stuff. But um, in general, I'm feeling good. So yeah, that's just a quick update from you guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please look to share it on your Instagram. Tell people about it. Um, I hope they didn't bore you too much. Remember that wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.